Today on episode 26 of the Be A Marketer podcast, you'll meet an owner who didn't know she had a business until someone wrote her a check. And I'm sharing why tricks only bring short-term treats. This is the Be A Marketer podcast. Be A Marketer. My name is Dave Charest, Director of Small Business Success at Constant Contact, and I've been helping small business owners like you make sense of online marketing for over 16 years. You can be a marketer, and I'm here to help. Well, friend, hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Be A Marketer podcast. I have a confession to make. I don't know anything about cars. In fact, I've never really been a car person at all. All I care about is getting from point A to point B. Now, the one thing I do know is that the better you maintain your car, the longer it will last you. But as someone who doesn't really know anything about what's going on, it's easy to be taken advantage of. And I have to admit that in the past, well, I have been. And I can tell you, it doesn't feel good. Now, I can also tell you that I've never returned to those places that have been dishonest and tricked me into paying for something unnecessary. Luckily, today I have a mechanic that I trust. Now, over the years, the people at the shop have always been honest with me about what's happening with our vehicles. They've never tried to get us to do something unnecessary, and they've always been honest about when an issue actually needs to be repaired. Now, today, if they let me know about an issue, I'm really not too concerned about confirming whether or not they're telling the truth. I trust that they are. You know, there's a saying in business that people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And because we know, like, and trust our mechanic, they've been taking care of our cars for many years now. And this means we've also been spending money with them for many years. Much more money than we ever spent with those mechanics looking to trick us. And that's the thing about tricks. They only work once. And that's why here at Constant Contact, we really focus on helping you build those relationships with the people that matter most to your business over the long term. It's that long-term approach to your marketing that will serve you for years to come. Well, friend, today's guest is Kim Jones-Sneed, owner of StuffInTheBluff.com, an award-winning website focused on local news and entertainment in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Through the site, Kim offers public relations, advertising, and marketing assistance to nonprofit organizations, advertising agencies, business owners, city departments, entertainers, authors, speakers, and pastors looking to reach the local community. Kim is what I'd call an original influencer, someone ingrained in the goings-on of her community. And throughout the years, she's been serving a purpose greater than just making money. And that may just be the reason behind her longevity. It all started over 20 years ago, and Kim has had to answer many unexpected questions along the way. What happens when people assume you have a business? What happens when you're not trained as a business owner? And what happens when you feel like giving up? Well, things took a turn for Kim when she rebranded her communications company, Jones & Sneed Creative Associates, because something else was brewing in the background. Let's pick up the conversation there. What was brewing in the background is that at the time I was receiving a lot of information. I'm a former radio announcer, so I was accustomed to sharing information with an audience. 
But it just seemed like at that time, you know, it's kind of before the internet, before really online marketing, the way we're doing it now, there was just so much information I was receiving that I felt like people needed to know. And they were not getting that information. They didn't have access to it. And I started, I would say, when I look back, it was really a blog. It was an online email newsletter that I would just simply go into an email account and I would start typing. (laughs) Plain and simple, no graphics necessarily. I would just write and I would tell people about the things and the places and the interesting people that I was meeting, family-oriented events that they could take their families to, family-friendly, cultural events like museum openings concerts and just a number of things to do, places to go and profiles on what I would call now hidden jewels in our community, interesting people. And I just was typing this plain, boring newsletter. It was an email and I I called it, I'm trying to remember, I think I called it The Bluff (laughs) because I'm in a city where the name is Pine Bluff. The city is Pine Bluff. The nickname for the city at one time was The Bluff. So I called this newsletter The Bluff. <laughs> and my motto was, I'm keeping you in the know with all the stuff happening in The Bluff. <laughs> so fast forward, it began to kind of catch on. People were like, stuff in Bluff? Stuff Bluff? I like that. <laughs> and, you know, they just kind of liked it. And it was catchy. And I kept typing this thing up and people would say, well, it's great information. I printed it all out and it was 10 pages. And it took me a while to read it. I read it, but it was good. It was good. So one day I kept typing and typing and continuing to send this information out. And Dave, I could not type another word. I filled the whole email up and I thought, are you serious? I couldn't get another word in. And I had to move to another way of doing it. And that's kind of where Constant Contact came into play as well. But a website came into play. Long story short, it began to be stuff in the bluff. That's what was available, stuffinthebluff.com, stuffinthebluff at all these various email accounts. And it was catchy and people caught on and it was available. And it just seemed like a natural way to move into what I would say, sharing information from a website now and eventually sending something to the person rather than waiting for them to come to the website, sending emails out and being able to send those emails out legally. Because in the old days, we could just send you something. We didn't have to get permission. (laughs) We'd just copy all these emails and just send you stuff. You didn't have to subscribe to nothing. You just look up and you're getting it. (laughs) Later, we found out we had to find a different way to do that. It's amazing how that has uh, changed. I've talked to some business owners that have started in that when you're like, yeah, I was just doing this. And then I would hit like, oh, I can only send so many. And then it's like, okay, well, I can't, I'm not, I shouldn't be doing this necessarily. So it's interesting how that, that changes and how you, I guess, get to that point too. I mean, I think it's a good indication of growth in some instances where it's like, oh, wait, like I can't manage this like this anymore, which is really interesting. Absolutely. How did you get into, I guess, this industry to start with? I've been a writer since I was in, gosh, maybe the sixth grade. And it really, it all came down to my mom reading, reading books to us. I mean, reading is very effective. When parents read to their children, you have no idea what it can do to help a child. And as a child, my mother would read stories to us and she would read, you know, poetry and stories that kids like. And I can still remember Hickory Dickory Dot. (laughs) The mouse ran up the clock. I can still remember that. 
And it's like the words leaped off the pages to me. The words became animated. They were just words, but they just began to kind of have this animation or this life that they would take on. And it was exciting to me. And so I think from there, I just began to have a love for not only reading, but words and writing, communicating. And I started literally as a child being more or less a person that had a gift to communicate. Some of that did come from my parents who were communicators, preachers, pastors, speakers. And I believe that that seed was planted in my life as a kid. And I grew up and I began to really, really love communications and had an opportunity to work in it from the time I was very young to this present time. So it's something I truly love. It's a passion. I think just even having gone to college and my degree was in mass communications, I discovered, I think the path to business ownership was not something I got in college. It was just actually a journey I began to take on my own and seek. And subsequently, I learned to really use my gifts in different ways. And through business ownership, I was truly able, I think, to use my communications gifts in ways I never, never imagined I'd be able to do. Well, how did you get to that point where you were going to do your own thing? Can you tell me a little bit about that path? You know, it's interesting. I've always loved working with nonprofits and mission work, I think, work that has a reason and a real purpose. And that's where I found myself often in my career. However, it seemed there were these projects that would come along that didn't quite fit the scope of my nine to five. And I wanted a way to package those or to direct those projects into another arena in my life or area in my life. And it seemed business ownership was the key to being able to do those projects. I would just maybe take those projects on as a freelance, independent, something outside of the job. And it was something I really loved. I began to feel a real passion with what I was doing outside work. And then I began to recognize, I think it was important to do some of those projects in another area and maybe not do them through work. And so that began to kind of plant that seed of business ownership because those projects at times, they might take a little while to complete. So they were short-term some were maybe long-term, some began to be repeat. And then you kind of start adding layers. People might say, well, can you do this? You know, are you able to incorporate that? And it might just be a simple thing where you write a project or you write something and then they want it printed. They want it published. So you got to find a way to work with the printing company and and design this thing and, and turn it into a publication. And that's kind of where it all started is that I began to recognize I had a small business because I had these projects that were kind of on the side. And now I look at the terminology today is side hustle. Sure. So I had this side hustle that was going on that was bringing me a lot of joy. And it was also, I believe, serving a client or fulfilling a purpose and helping people, helping people who needed, you know, specific help. And again, it always would come down to communications, I feel. People needed help with getting their message out, sharing it. How long before you got to the point where it was no longer a side hustle? It was the thing that you were doing. (laughs) That's a great question. I remember I was so excited and having a great time doing this stuff in the bluff. (laughs) And one day someone wrote me a check for a service I was going to provide. I can't even remember what service I was going to provide, but I remember clearly it was the first check 
that I received. And this person assumed that I had a business called Stuff in the Bluff. And do you know, I did not have a bank account at that time. I didn't have an official small business. I was just doing this newsletter and promoting and marketing things. And I realized, I said, Kim, you're in business now and you've got to go ahead and set things up so you can, you know, first of all, so you can deposit this check. (laughs) And then secondly, so you can really, it was like a confirmation that you're in business. You may not have realized it, but the perception now is clear to those who you are serving is that you're in a small business. And so that's when I did establish it as a company and began to recognize it, you know, as such and operate it as a business at that time. I think it was just more of a hobby, craft, passion and doing what I love, but then realizing I have a real service I can offer and that I can sell. I can actually sell services. And that was another phase. I've got to learn how to sell services because obviously someone thinks that I can do it. Well, I'm curious, what were some of those first challenges that you faced kind of making this be the thing? I think for one thing, it, there's so much you have to do when you run a business. Pricing, you have to figure out how much you're going to charge. There's all these formulas. And although I was trained as a communicator, I really wasn't trained as a business owner. Even though there were small business classes, there were a lot of resources like SCORE, the Service Corps. I think of retired executives. There were SBA. They had classes locally in my community. There were incubators and things like that. And I I took as much as I could. I took those classes. I tried to learn things. But I think it's still when it comes down to really the the real brass knuckles of truly pulling up, rolling up your sleeves and really doing the work. That's the part that's difficult, I think. And then I've been a small operation for the most part. I've been a one-person business owner. I may have had maybe one or two family members. At the time when my husband was living, he would help me in some of the areas of my business. And, you know, I've had maybe subcontractors that I've worked with, graphics designers. But I think the hardest part about running a business is often the decisions you have to make each and every day. You're not working for someone. You are your own boss. And the decisions you make can make or break you. I mean, often you make mistakes. I've made mistakes. I've learned from my mistakes. I'm the face of the business. I'm the rep. I'm uh, more or less the brand. And, um, you know, sometimes that can be a lot of pressure, but I think a lot of it is just, you know, I've learned things and I've had to make adjustments and I'm still making adjustments today. I'm still making decisions, trying to look at pricing. I think that's one area. Look at what do you charge your customer? What other services maybe can I add or include to really bring value to my customer? And then maybe what's not working? Maybe what do I need to remove? So I think those are some of the challenges that you face daily as a business owner. Is there something that you started doing or maybe something that you weren't doing that you were like, oh, I need to make an adjustment here and I have to either stop, as you're saying, stop doing a thing. What would that particular thing and what was that situation or and or was there something else that, oh, you recognized, oh, this is something I should be offering people based on what you were hearing from a customer. Talk me through that a little bit. I think for one thing, um, what I've recognized is oftentimes, well, and this is the real key, I think, that caused me to really launch stuff in the bluff. I would say we were experiencing a bit of a desert in our city as far as media is concerned. We had a couple of radio stations go out of business. Maybe there was like a transition of ownership. 
And some of the resources we once had were not available. The radio station was not available to allow us to announce things and things like that. And so I kind of looked at what I was doing as um, creating a medium that would provide a service. And it was real niche-oriented. In the very beginning, I was just truly a niche-oriented person in that I was a former gospel music radio announcer. So a lot of what I did was to promote Christian and gospel music events, artists, family-friendly events. And so I think that was an area that I just kind of looked at and just stayed in and only focused on that one niche. And what I recognized is that there were ad agencies in Little Rock and Little Rock is our state capital, the historic city. And so there were ad agencies there that began to recognize that I had kind of my finger on the pulse of the urban community, the African-American community, the community where they were wanting to target messaging for health and wellness and education and opportunity. And they began to use my business to get messaging out about tobacco prevention or health fairs, you know, job opportunities. And so I said, well, gosh, I've got to think outside of a little more of a box here. And it also meant to find products and services that I felt could really reach the masses in such a way that perhaps I was not initially able to do just through you know, my small resources of a simple email account. Constant contact products and services came into play and I was able to really, it, it was perfect because I can remember that I said, oh, I can add photos and I can add graphics and I can also put the wording and headlines and then I can legally send out information to people who truly want to receive this information, a great target audience. So that's a product that I started with and stayed with and have later incorporated other products, as I said earlier. I would say that's something I've really began to recognize as an important factor is getting the messaging to people and getting the right message to a person when they need it, the right audience, and then expanding your, your target group as well as need be. And so on occasions, I didn't realize who my readers were. Some of them were outside of the state. So we were beginning to cover a half a dozen states of readership with people who had some connection to this state, but they lived elsewhere. So that, I don't know if I'm really answering the question kind of the way. <laughs> no, that's fine. I think, I mean, that's an interesting thing to learn, right? Because you would think, I guess, did that surprise you to find that out, that there were people that didn't live in the state that were still on your list and that were, what was that process like to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't really think that's going to be the case, right? So. Right. It's flattering and it's exciting. I remember, and it was because I had, actually, it's my sister-in-law, some of her family. And um, although she's in Texas, she had family in, in Las Vegas and they all had ties to this state. But I remember when... <laughs> One of the, the nieces said, we need stuff in the Vegas, stuff <laughs> in Las Vegas. We need what you're doing, but we need to have it in Vegas. And I was like, wow. And that actually is an idea that I have begun to really think about. I haven't tried it yet, but I literally thought about how I should license this product, mm. so to speak, and let people do their own stuff in the or come up. And it's catchy because it rhymes, but they can come up with a concept where they're serving their community, their region by sharing information, marketing, advertising. Hey, I'm throwing out a hint out there. Hey, if you're 
<laughs> but I, you know, that was really to me awesome. And then there was a major magazine uh, that was a gospel music magazine that looked at my brand, my website as one of the top websites in the country to check out for resources, for information, interviews, stories. That was amazing. And I won an award for my work. The Rhythm of Gospel Award was awarded to me some years ago, and I got nominated a few times, but I actually won. And uh, that was awesome to me as well. So I began to be recognized for the work. And then people started, I think it was just kind of a slow progression because I've had a great number of readers in the local area, but it had grown and I had other readers like in the uh, state capital and then in other states, Tennessee, Missouri, Illinois, California, Las Vegas. Some of it is because I live in a town where there is a historically black college and university. We have a junior college here and some people who, you know, once they graduate, even though they came here for school, they want to remain connected to this community. And some of that connecting has happened through my brand. So although they may now live in San Diego, California, have a reader, uh, some readers in that market, and, you know, they're in the Texas area and places like that, as I just mentioned, even though they live in different parts of the country, they're still connected to my brand. So that that's exciting as well. So I've, I've got a couple places I want to go here, but I want to start with just starting to get that recognition and getting that, the awards, those types of things, all of that. But like, how did that make you feel? It's like, wow, I'm doing what I love. And at the same time, people are obviously loving what I'm doing. And when your peers recognize you and award you for your work, it really does say that it's worth it. It's been worth all the trouble, headaches, <laughs> the struggles, the mistakes I made. Somewhere, I did something right. I did something right. Just in the month of March this year, the city, my city recognized me among 12 women as hidden figures. I thought that was kind of interesting. I told somebody I was hidden and now I've been found. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I work behind the scenes often. You see my work. You may not always see me. Although I have been public, I've made appearances, I've hosted and emceed many events over the years, but a lot of the day-to-day -day grind, as young people like to say, that day-to-day -day work, you know, it's not something that I'm very visual about. I just do what I do and I love what I do. And people, they say what they see, they just begin to interpret it in all kinds of very affirming ways. Some say, I see your faith. Some say, gosh, I love the flyers. I love the variety of people you're promoting and marketing. Um, some say, gosh, I, I didn't even know if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't know what was going on in the city or in my area. And I tell them, look, I don't get all the information, but I think I get some key information. Again, when the city of Pine Bluff recognized me in March as part of Women's History Month, now, that to me was one of the best awards I could ever receive in 20 years of doing this work in this community to be recognized. And that's the first time that we have an African-American mayor. She made history becoming the mayor, Mayor Shirley Washington. I guess it was just like, wow, you know, even my city realizes that I've made a difference, that I have done something to uplift and enhance this community, despite our challenges, despite some of the issues that we and other cities go through. 
that we've all faced, it makes such a difference to be recognized by your city, you know, for the work you do. And that that has really, to me, been another level just this year. What would you say, you've been doing this for a while, what drives you, what keeps you going, doing what you do? I love people. I'm a people person. And I do feel like serving the community is so important to me. I think what really keeps me going as well is just every event or person, every function, every activity, I believe is very key and critical and important. And each one is, I treat it, I guess, with great care, pride and enthusiasm. It brings me enthusiasm. Each new opportunity to promote or market something coming up, it just kind of gives me a bit of a a charge, a high, (laughs) some excitement. But I'm also working with a variety of people and I've had repeat customers. I think that's been the the thing that's really been a help. Sometimes you have what we call, I don't want to say a one hit wonder. (laughs) I might do something once and I might not do it again because maybe that person's not doing that event again, or it was something they tried and they chose not to continue it. But I've had a lot of repeat customers. So that's what keeps me really going is that I'm serving a client base that continues to come back. And that says to me, okay, I'm doing something right. And, you know, I tell people now, I I don't promise that this is going to be the biggest crowd you're going to get, or it's going to be a great success. But I do do my best. I put the very best that I can do, put my best foot forward and try to really deliver excellence in the product and the service that I provide. And it's kind of interesting. Last year during a primary election, I I assisted, I served 12 candidates through marketing services. Some of those candidates was interesting. We couldn't even vote for them in this area. But I thought what was really nice is that they chose my service and my product. And it was great, I believe, for our community and for all of our readers across the country who may not have could not vote for anybody just to see the array of professionals who were running for office. Out of those 12 people, nine of them won their elections. I used that whole thing as a whole marketing campaign. (laughs) You know, it wasn't just me. I'm not going to say I... Hey, just Kim alone helped them win these elections. But I did say we gave you a competitive edge. I believe in my heart that using my product and service helped you to have a competitive edge. And then I showed all 12 of their pictures as far as my marketing campaign. I mean, it was a circuit judge. You know, there was a, some state representatives, Congress people. But out of those 12, nine won. And I just thought that was phenomenal. Even for me, that was like a wow. Was there ever a time that you're doing this that you thought about giving up? Often. I have to really admit often. Yes. Why is that? Sometimes you feel like you're not appreciated, that your work doesn't matter, that someone else can do this. Um, I don't know that what I'm doing is making a difference. And readers come, readers go. There are the critics out there as well. Because for the most part, what's interesting is a lot of what I market and promote is still mission driven. It's still sharing purpose and it's positive. I'm not saying it's always been positive, but I would say 80, 90 percent of what I promote or market is positive. It's interesting. I don't I don't get certain clientele. It's almost like they know that I may not market that, but it's I really have not just sit out there. We will not 
there are some things in the industry, as you know, that you can't really promote or market comfortably. However, even I remember a time I thought I was going to be doing a whole campaign for a liquor store (laughs) and uh, some of their alcoholic beverages, which again, I've seen marketing done in good taste for those products, not knocking it, not putting it down. I talked to my pastor about it. He said, are you manufacturing the liquor? I said, well, no, sir, I don't have a distillery. I don't have a I don't have an out, but he said, well, you go ahead and you market that. He's very open-minded, very positive to motivate me. And somehow they changed their minds. So we ended up not doing anything. But I'm saying all that to say there are times when you feel like your work doesn't matter, that there are critics out there. There are some, it, it appeared, that had not used my services, maybe that used to use my services, but for whatever reason, chose not to. And I understand I'm not going to get every client. I'm not going to land every customer, but there are times when you feel frustration. There are times I have felt like I, you know, just don't want to keep doing this, although there's still that love and that passion. And then I think, you know, some of the economic challenges, running a small business, trying to financially just survive, dealing with um, the economy, the price hikes on everything, even do I raise my prices more? I've done some restructuring. And I would like to grow and hire a whole big, gigantic staff and crew. But over the years, I've recognized that, you know, it's been financially beneficial to me to keep my business small. And even as I'm getting older, I'm thinking about, okay, you know, I might need to kind of add some plans in place for future succession. I I do have one daughter, one child. She's not really interested in doing what I do. Although she's been a great motivator when I've told her I'm tired, I just feel like I need to give up. She's motivated me and said, it's going to be all right. You're not going to give up. You keep on keeping on. That does help me. Close friends, family who encourage me, that helps me. That keeps me going. But yes, as business owners and even me, I mean, among those business owners, there are times we get tired and we feel like giving up. Well, what's your favorite thing about having your own business? Being able to do what I want to do when I can do it. <laughs> and that's that's flip side, too, is not being able to do what I want to do because <laughs> I'm very devoted. I'm very committed. I think the favorite thing is being recognized uh, through my brand. Oftentimes, people will recognize me. They don't call me Kim. They'll call me Stuff in the Bluff. We have Miss Stuff in the Bluff here. <laughs> <laughs> that's really prestigious. And I think just the the doors that have opened, the opportunities I've had to meet so many people, and I feel to touch so many lives, and then my life has been touched by so many people. My business has gone beyond my ethnicity. It's not limited to whether I'm African-American. I think being a small business owner, you can touch the lives of so many different people from all walks of life, all backgrounds all economic backgrounds, socioeconomic levels. Small business ownership can truly reach people in a way that maybe you yourself could not. And I think that's the beauty of it. I never thought about this really until just now, that running a small business can be something that can really reach beyond barriers, walls, limitations. If you really just open your mind and open the opportunity in your own life that can be presented to you. If you don't limit yourself, then I think that the skies are limitless. And 
things that you can do to help make a difference in your community, even if it's under the guise of a small business, I think the sky is really the limit for you. So I think that's the wonderful thing about being a business owner. So clearly, I mean, your business is rooted in community, but talk to me about just the role of community in general to your business and why that's so important to you. I recognize that people, when it really comes down to it, it's people who help you succeed. It is that person making a financial investment in you, paying for services that you provide. It's not always investors. Many times it's just that faithful customer who will continue to do business with you, who has the faith to take a chance. I created some packages where I put together several different products that I felt would be effective to help anyone that wanted to market or promote. And I was a little nervous about it because I never did it before, but I put together packages and I had three levels of packaging. And when I had several take the highest level of the packaging, it was like, wow, it worked. They want to do this. They believe in me. (laughs) Community, you know, makes such a difference. I have um, really been recently, because I've seen all the struggles before COVID and since COVID has um, gone behind us, so it's ended. I've been going into some businesses and I've been saying, I'm so glad you're still in business. I'm glad you survived. I'm glad that you're here still on the other side of this. And I I don't want to take for granted how difficult people have had it to run a business. And then I've, I've also, communities is important in that there are services and um, things that I need, you know, to be a success in my business. There are products and services that I'm needing. And I'm thankful that I'm able to get those products and those services through small business owners. So I want to shift us a little bit to talk about just how you started using Constant Contact. And I mean, you you started with us, I believe, in, in 2007. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, your business started in 2003. Am I correct? Correct. Yes, that's right. 2003. Yeah. OK. So I guess what has the experience been like for you using Constant Contact? It's really been ideal. It's been a lifesaver. And I've been very um, impressed. A lot of times I'm bad about reading the <laughs> notes that are released that tell us how the product is being improved or some of the new features. I just have jumped in there and rolled my sleeves up and tried to figure it out. But one of the things that really initially caught my attention is the fact that it was easy to use. I felt like it was user-friendly. Also, it allowed me to insert, you know, visual. So a flyer, graphic, a photo or photos And then that headline, which as a former, which I didn't talk about being a former newspaper reporter, I knew that you'd have a headline and then you have your article. But Constant Contact, one thing that was really critical to me is I knew I could not just randomly email people who did not agree to receive the information. And it truly handles that part of the process very, very seamlessly. It makes it, I think, convenient for people to subscribe and receive the information easily through all the different products and services. And so, you know, it took away that that whole problem that we had, that we could no longer just send people information that had not, you know, given us permission to do so. So that's one thing I've noticed that made it great. It also allowed me to incorporate, like I said, graphics and written information into one template, I would say. People could open it from all kinds of email accounts. Now, that was another issue is that what I was sending out, maybe 
some people couldn't see things or they, for whatever reason, through my own little email account. But this thing, it can go all the way across the board with your Gmail user, Yahoo, you know, AOL, all that. And so anyone could see those emails. And then now, of course, in recent years, the mobile devices, smartphones and tablets and things, it makes it very, very convenient for those individuals who receive them on smart devices to be able to see it. And we can preview it. I love that, that we can see how it looks to the reader. And sometimes I'm bad about looking at it because I'm I'm an old school desktop, laptop. (laughs) And I've just started kind of getting into the app a little bit. The app has evolved and I have been using it a little more to schedule blasts to, I call them email blasts, to schedule them, to double check and make sure some things are scheduled, just to take a quick look while I'm on the go to ensure that perhaps something that I thought I did that morning <laughs> wasn't sure or the yesterday, you know, I can double check it through the app. And I do see where the app will allow you to do more things like design. I think I'm not as comfortable with the designing aspect from my smartphone, but I love that I can schedule or check and confirm, you know, certain information and make sure that certain things are on track uh, while I'm on the go. So that's a big help to me. What are some of the strategies that you've used to build that list that you've been talking about? Some of it has included using other types of apps that at one time we could use on social media platforms that would allow those readers who visit, say, my social media to subscribe. I'm using an aspect of subscription on my website. That's a big help. So people can subscribe directly from my website and it goes right into the Constant Contact database. One of the other things that I'm really enjoying is, um, well, what I do, I should say, is I sometimes appear at various trade shows or community events. We have a Juneteenth event coming up in just a couple of weeks and I'll be there and, you know, we'll have a table. And so I think that's a great opportunity to have a sign-up sheet. And I know there is a way people can sign up electronically. So sometimes we'll actually sign them up electronically if they agree to receive the information. We can do that right online from a smart device or a laptop. And sometimes, like I met a lady the other day in the store and she was a friend of a friend And the friend was promoting and saying, hey, you should get subscribed to Stuff in the Bluff. So it was a matter of getting her email. If you just give me permission, I got you. So a lot of times it's just through meeting people, through attending different events, trade shows, having tables set up, and then having those products in place online that can allow people to subscribe. How often do you send messages? Actually daily, just about daily. It's almost like, And some of this came from feedback from customers who said, well, gosh, you should do it like a paper, do it like the daily paper that people once, you know, got. They still sometimes go and get papers or have daily subscriptions to publications. And so I kind of have a schedule and often depending on if I have three messages I'm sharing that day or three promotions, then it may run morning, mid-morning and afternoon. Sometimes during the political season, it may wow, be seven to 10. And I thank the subscribers for hanging in there (laughs) and not unsubscribing, you know, during all that messaging. But a lot of it is very strategic. And it wasn't anything that I really, I guess, got a specific formula. I think it was just more or less something I kept doing and recognizing and seeing. But 
oftentimes daily people are getting some type of message. Some of it is repeat messaging. So it may be an email you got a few days ago and it's coming back and it might be reminding you you're getting closer to a deadline. It may be a registration deadline. And then once the registration deadline hits, now we're going to promote this part of this uh, upcoming event. Sometimes I will give people a break on Saturdays and Sundays. And then I've had a few clients say, we want to run on Sunday. We have some that specify dates that they want their message to go out. And I honor that and I respect that. I think it's interesting. They may have information that they feel we've heard it runs good. You know, if you do it on this. And sometimes I'm not so locked into statistics, but I do try to be very open to what's a good time. I admit there, I know there's a lot more to Constant Contact. I think I'm only scratching the surface. Even in all these years I've used the product, there's a whole lot more to it that I believe I could. And I'm I'm thinking about some other products and services that it offers. I've seen some of the other aspects of it. And I know there's uh, more technical <laughs> A-B testing you can do. You know, you can try some testing and see what is more effective. So I do know there's a lot more to the product, but for the level and where I am, I think Constant Contact is ideal because it it has met me where I am. It's grown with me and it's even saying, hey, if you want to go a little higher or get a little deeper, this is available. And even I do know that there are designers on hand that can create for me. And that might be something that I keep seeing and I'm thinking, you might need to look into that, Kim. That'll give you that extra hand that you need, that extra partner, you know, that you need to help your business. If you were to think about Constant Contact specifically, and let's say a similar business just getting started, what would be your number one tip for them in terms of using Constant Contact? That it would be that partner to help you share your message. Even if you're not marketing and promoting others like I do to market and promote your own business is critical. It's very cost-effective. Constant Contact has been a very cost-effective product. And I think only recently, you all remind me of me, (laughs) only recently has there been some change in the pricing. I mean, after all these years, I've paid pretty much the same price for years, which is how I've been able to charge my clientele the same. But even I recognize we all have to kind of deal with what's happening in the economy. And so for people that are interested in using Constant Contact, I believe it's an important product to help you market and promote your own services, to promote your own business, or to be a partner in your business to help you achieve certain goals. You have a wide range of services. And as I said, I've only scratched the surface of resources available. There's a whole community of people. I know I've tapped into them some years back, maybe not as much recently, but there's a library of information I can look up to help me figure out some solutions to a problem I'm having in using a product. There's a community of people you can communicate with if you're having a challenge or even if you just want to share something. There are people out there that will talk back to you, chat with you. And, you know, I believe that it, it's a great partner for a business or a nonprofit organization, Constant Contact can be that partner that you've been looking for and that you've needed to help you succeed. Kim, what would be your best piece of business advice for another business owner? Don't underestimate 
the power of how effective you can be in business. Do what you love. That's an old one. Do what you love and the money will follow. (laughs) Oftentimes, I would say, too, that it's not always about the money. Money is important, but I believe it's about doing what makes you happy. Being able to serve your community, I believe, is awesome. Meeting the need of an individual or the needs of a community can be amazing through what you do. You're only one person. And to one person, you may be the whole world. You know, there's something that only you can do. There might be five or six people that do what you do, but you're the only one that can really do it uniquely because you've been uniquely created and qualified to provide that service or that product. So I would encourage a person, at least start. If you're not a business owner yet, start. You might be like me. You might be doing something as a hobby, you were doing it as a hobby or you love doing it. And it was like just uh, you had a passion for it. And later it evolved into a full-fledged business. So that's what I would encourage business owners. Don't give up. Don't quit. Try to find a way to hang in there. Stick with it because I believe that it will get better. I think one thing too is survival. There are a lot of people who truly respect when you've been able to come through a tough storm or a tough time like we've all come through with a global pandemic and you still are here, still alive, still surviving, still providing a product or a service, a lot of people will have a great amount of respect. And I believe they will be inspired by you recognizing that you somehow survived. And if you can make it, they'll feel they can make it too. Well, friend, let's recap some items from that discussion. Number one, focus on the part of marketing you enjoy most. You likely love what you do. But maybe that's not the case when it comes to marketing. But if you can focus on an aspect you do enjoy and hone in there, you're going to find that the energy transfers to those around you. And Kim feels like it's all worth it to understand, you know, she's doing what she loves and other people are loving it too. Number two, uplift and enhance with your marketing. When Kim was recognized by the city in honor of Women's History Month, it made her feel great about being able to uplift and enhance the community. Uplift and enhance are great words to apply to your approach to marketing. If you look at your efforts as a way to uplift and enhance the people you're trying to reach, that's when you find people truly paying attention. Number three, you can send more often than you think. You may have been just as surprised as I was to hear that Kim sends her emails daily and sometimes more than once. She does this because that's what her subscribers asked for. I bring this up to highlight that there's no hard and fast rule to how often you can or should send. As long as you're providing value to your subscribers and the information is timely and relevant, you can send more than you think. It's only when you're not providing value that you start bothering people. So go on, don't be afraid to hit send, but do so with an eye toward finding what works for you. Here's your action item for today. Visit the Constant Contact community. As an entrepreneur, it's not uncommon to feel alone, especially if you don't have a close circle of friends who understands the ups and downs of running a business. And let's not sugarcoat it. Running a business is hard. It involves a lot of stress and resilience to move something you deeply believe in forward. That's why you need people around to support and help you. So this is a reminder to constant contact customers out there. You have access to a community of fellow small business owners sharing information and helping each other navigate the choppy waters of marketing and more. There's a link 
in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Be A Marketer podcast. If you have questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me directly at dave.charest at constantcontact.com. If you did enjoy today's episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. Your honest feedback will help other small business marketers like yourself find the show. Well, friend, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and continued success to you and your business. Mm -hmm.